Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 166, the first of two World Squash Day episodes uh, on the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, uh, Jerry Gibson, and we're going to drop two episodes uh, to uh, contribute to this great occasion, World Squash Day, which uh, Alan Thatcher very, very... uh, eloquently laid out on episode 165 in a chat that uh, re- that I think you should all listen to if you haven't already but episode 166 here with uh, Jamie Haycox of Squash Tourist and Friends uh, Jamie had a fantastic uh, playing career he had especially 2018 2019 he he really uh, played well and won a few tournaments got to the finals of a couple and uh, he comes on to talk about uh, Squash Tourist and Friends his podcast and it's a podcast that I really uh, enjoy myself because it's very anecdotal. He does what, uh, you know, some of my favorite podcasts among the ones that I've done are with uh, my friends from my old playing days. And... um, uh, Jamie uh, talks to several of his friends uh, from back, I think, at Birmingham University and during his uh, playing uh, days on the tour, obviously. And he takes us uh, back uh, uh, to take a look at that. But I, I also talked to him uh, about uh, sort of where uh, Squash Tourists and Friends and where it was born from and, uh, you know, some of the great episodes. He also has had on uh, Canadian Mike McHugh, who's been on uh, my podcast, and we all know Mike, very anecdotal and very thoughtful in terms of uh, uh, you know what he can bring to a conversation on squash and I even got a name drop on on his episode which was uh, which was pretty cool but uh, yeah Jamie Haycox of squash tourists and friends on episode 166 the first of two world squash day uh, episodes now before we get into that I just want to tell you uh, very quickly about our great sponsor active scout active scout um, Uh, is an app that will help clubs grow and expand their membership base next week. Uh, Rob Eberhardt of Active Scout is finally going to make his way onto the podcast and he's going to lay Active Scout out for us and you'll get to see and get to hear exactly what it's all about and how it will help uh, clubs to grow and expand their membership base which is huge I think we all want to contribute to something like that but if you're looking for more information before that episode's maybe before that episode maybe to get your you know get your feet wet and get a taste for what it's all about you can go to www.activescout.com that's active scout without the e and uh, now uh, here we are, episode 166. Really enjoyed chatting with Jamie Haycox of the podcast Squash Taurus and Friends. Hanging out in the studio. Relaxing. How's things uh, going? Uh, you had a lesson today, did you? A couple of lessons? Uh, yeah, just yeah, a little lesson down the club and I uh, had, a, had a bit of a hit as well with one of the guys. So, uh, All right. Oh, that's yeah, great. it's a fairly, fairly light day. Fr- How are you uh, Fridays. Them? How are you hitting them? Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, still, yeah, not too bad. Um, I've had, I've had a few issues, a few physical issues. Like my back's been, uh, been playing up a little bit the last few months. So, um, yeah, I've not been, not been playing probably as like as much as I would like to, or, um, yeah, not quite injury free, but, um, yeah, still enjoying, enjoying the sweat anyway, getting out there and, uh, yeah, yeah, trying to mix it when you can. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, obviously I'm, probably about 25 years older than you, but I played yesterday. No, I'm not. Well, you're 36, right? You're 36, 30. yeah. Yeah, okay. So what, I'm 15, 16 years older than you. So yeah, I played yesterday and it felt great. But, yeah. uh, you know, just a few, every, uh, I mean, you've got a few years to go, but uh, I mean, every time I get out and play, there's always, always something like a little, little niggle here and there during the match that you got to kind of work out. Work your way around, yeah, exactly. Know, and, like, uh, for me, yes, it was like a, like a an ankle or something that just sort of popped up out of nowhere. I was like, oh, oh, what, where'd that come from? <laughs> I never had that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely got to uh, try and yeah use the experience and uh, de- deal with whatever. Yeah, deal with those those issues. But um, yeah, that's what ma- makes it quite tough. Um, the idea of playing a tournament now, I think it's. Yeah, I'm not sure I could get through uh, get through more than a couple more than a match or two um, without something popping out of place. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, we'll get into this a little bit later. But firstly, uh, before we, I mean, uh, you had a great—I wouldn't say great, but I mean, the last your last uh, 
year, year and a half or so, showed some signs of uh, resurgence uh, there. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later on. But uh, firstly, uh, thanks a lot for coming on, Jamie, a uh, fellow podcaster and uh, squat, you're of the, uh, the Squash uh, Tourist and Friends podcast. But uh, more than that, you're, you're a squash uh, you know, pro in the PSA Tour for several years and still up until last year anyways, going at it. So uh, how are things going for you uh, and yours, uh, given the, you know, the pandemic situation, it's still, still an issue and you're in New York city uh, or around New York city where yeah. it's uh, a bit, bit tricky around there. So how are things going uh, for you in that regard with your squash? Yes. The last few months have been pretty busy actually since the middle of June, we, uh, the club that I work at reopened. So um and I think you know, generally that time of year, a lot of the members would tend to go out, to go off on holiday or uh, go to their sort of holiday homes and stuff like that. So um, this year, obviously, pe- more people were around in, in Greenwich. So, uh, and it's also the first year, the first summer that our club's been open. So we only opened in November. Uh, so I work in, in, in Greenwich, uh, Greenwich Water Club right. uh, with uh, a guy called Philip Barker and uh, another assistant there, Paul Carnero. So yeah, three of us. Um, but yeah, I'd say new club opened in November. So we were sort of just getting into the swing of things in February and, uh, and then, yeah, we got shut down like, like everybody else. So we were shut down for three months. Um, but yeah, this was, I'd say the first summer from my first summer in the States as well. So it's been pretty busy for the last few months. We've This is your first uh, foray over uh, across the pond, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Def- yeah. I, I mean, obviously played tournaments and, uh, I had done some, uh, some summer camp coaching uh, before in previous years but this is yeah the first summer i've been based here okay so um yeah it's a bit, bit of a change but it's yeah it's been pretty busy that must have been, uh, you know that must have been quite the challenge i mean having to come over you know think things are sort of set up for you and then boom that that happened uh all, yeah definitely all, yeah we were i mean pretty pretty fortunate i mean we weren't obviously weren't working on court but um you know like everybody else we tried to adapt and uh got the zoom sessions going and we're mm. quite lucky that we've got you know some pretty loyal families who are great and you know they wanted to keep their uh keep their kids active and so yeah we were we were pretty busy yeah we're doing studying individual sessions online and uh yeah we i think we did pretty well to adapt to that obviously you know at the start i remember the, the first day we closed and the idea of doing like online workouts was uh yeah quite quite alien to me I'm quite, certainly quite crin- cringy to me I'm not really qualified as a personal trainer so um wasn't really sure how it's going to work out but actually yeah I really enjoyed it and uh so, like definitely helped my my fitness and my like my uh getting my body back to uh back to health and and yeah I think it really helped the kids now seeing what the kids that worked through that through that period they've come back and uh you know they've they're looking a lot stronger on court and uh yeah they're feeling good so I think it's we adapted pretty well yeah, I guess, uh, you know, being a parent myself, I guess I would have really sort of wanted to embrace something like that. Uh, maybe at the time you didn't realize it because you, you know, kind of rolling uh, sort of maybe the knee jerk reaction at the time might have been, oh, my God, what we're going to do is, you know, squash courts are closed. But uh, I guess, you know, parents under those circumstances would have wanted their kids to be active given the yeah. situation. So uh, I guess it yeah. sort of worked out in that way maybe and, and and that's good for the club I, I would imagine definitely yeah we just kept that sort of you know that community feel that we're trying to trying to build and develop at the club uh, you know we had some group zoom sessions we do like once or twice a week as well as the individuals and just yeah you know kept that, kept that uh, sort of communication up with the uh, members and yeah, as I say, a lot of them have, have just a lot of the juniors had only just started playing. Some of them hadn't even played a year, and some of the oh, really? some of the adults had, had been recently been introduced to squash. So, yeah, so just is that keep, the, keep, just keep, the location of the club is that sort of one of given the the location where you are. Uh, so, located, it's pretty busy in Greenwich. There's a there's a um, quite a few country clubs. Um, okay, there's a club called Chelsea Piers, which is a big sports facility nearby. But um, yeah, the, uh, so our our uh, club. Um, it was uh, primarily like a rowing club first, so it didn't have squash courts before um, before last November, and then they they developed. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, it's called the Squash House. Um, so and it was a it was formerly like the, the Coscob Inn. So I think there's about twelve different rooms that were essentially like a hotel inn uh, mm-hmm. building. And uh, they they added three three singles courts and a doubles court. So oh. it's uh, pretty unique actually. I've 
sort of definitely been to a few squash clubs in my time, but not not uh, not any that look like this place. So uh, yeah, okay. it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really nice. It looks like it looks any, like big, uh, really strong rowers coming into the squash game. I mean, no, those guys are yeah. they're big, right? I mean, guys and gals tend to have uh, you know fairly fit and strong. Uh, so you, we might have a new. Uh, look squash player coming out of your yeah 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 a few yeah so mainly juniors but um but yeah a few that, that do uh, do the crew the rowing as well so you know if they've if they're doing that then they've got should have a pretty good work ethic because mm. as everybody knows rowing's uh yeah pretty oh it's always like one of those sports right up there with squash in terms of the best you know, they say squash is uh you know the best workout for the bang for the buck kind of thing i guess yeah. rowing's right up there with squash too i think yeah, we used to do uh, in my training group. We used to do a little bit of rowing, well, a few rowing sessions um, in the off season, and it was it was yeah, it was brutal. It was uh, I was a member doing like ten sets of five hundred meters and just Ooh. wanted to like fall off the machine. Oh yeah, yeah, the rowing machine definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was as far as I got, I didn't get out on the water though. Thank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I was just going to ask you before we get into uh, into this podcast uh, about you just did you watch uh, much of the manchester open and uh, what was your takeaway from the return of, uh, of the pro squash i mean i was i thought it was fantastic to see squash again and then you know my you know initial takeaway is that uh, some guys looked look better you know they, they looked better they looked really good and and you know some guys sort of you know it looked like they were just sort of preparing to play the season you know first with the bent back but some looked really really good what was your uh, sort of take on that yeah yeah I watched um watched quite a bit of it and like similar to you really I, f- I was surprised at yeah well yeah I'm sort of maybe surprised that the um the level certainly stuck out that you know some people had improved their games and you know mm-hmm. there weren't there was the exception really of people that didn't look uh, well prepared for it and yeah, I guess it gives you know it really does give, uh, and we've been trying to tell our juniors the same you know same thing that 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 period of time is you can either you know, make a hell of heaven or heaven of hell, can't you? You can you can really try and you know use that that period to uh, to catch up, and for those for those players who are maybe down the rankings or whatever, it's you know if they if they really work hard during that period, they can make some some big improvements. And there's always going to be some some people that take their foot off the gas a little bit, but I think of for the other pros uh, it's it's nice for them in some ways to have um just you know time at home where they're you know they're looking after their body and Mm -hmm. you're able to you know if you can't play then i guess for the top guys i'm sure they can go back and analyze their their matches and and watch watch back and and work with their coaches and uh you know i was talking to rob owen during the time he was my uh former coach Uh, i know know, you've you've had a chat with him but you know he was obviously of the same he was doing his players the same thing really Sorry, fantastic chat. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, good one. <laughs> he uh, doesn't pull any punches. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's uh, he, uh, he was uh, yeah, haven't spent a lot of time with him. He uh, yeah, he's probably held back a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he's a yeah, top guy, but yeah, he would have yeah. definitely you know said the same to his players that it's a really good chance to reflect and uh, you know, work on some technical things, certainly get your get your, your fitness and uh. And your yeah, um, and your mentality right during that period, and then I get you know it's, I think everybody would have been so keen to come back to, uh, to to play again to get out on and compete that they've they've had that they had a little bit of time in especially in England now to get back on court to, yeah. to sharpen up. And uh, Mohammed was training a lot with Joel Makin at my former club in Birmingham, Edgbaston Priory, and so yeah, I think they've had they've had a good period to actually get back on court. But you know they all that 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 physical work they would have done while they couldn't play is is just gonna stand them in good stead yeah 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 definitely I, I i mean what stuck out to me obviously mohammed not mohammed winning is not a surprise uh i don't think to anybody but uh um uh the fact you know marwan marwan to me <clears throat> i mean say what you want about how he plays the game I, I i don't think i don't see anything really that wrong with it but i i really thought he played extremely well uh especially against ali and he just looked like uh you know he was you know playing playing some brilliant squash there and uh, uh he yeah. he looked like he was really well prepared obviously mohammed was and uh, yeah. kareem uh, abdul gawad i mean oh my god i've never seen him i mean he's always moving well but he was moving really well yeah. and then you add that to uh, just the way he 
he can hit the ball. And he, yeah. he looks like, uh, like he put a lot of good time in uh, a quality time while he was away. Uh, I know what you think. But, um. Yeah, he's, he's one of my, I'd say, um, uh, um, Kareem, yeah, go out. He's, uh, probably my favorite favorite player to watch. Next uh, two of us. Yeah. He's my, he's my favorite to watch. So smooth. Yeah. It's yeah. silky smooth and, uh, great to see. Yeah. Great to see that he came out of it. Yeah. Looking so sharp. Like you say, I, I, I probably didn't see quite enough of his games, but I, I saw, I really enjoy watching Paul play Paul Cole. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he looked great too. I mean, yeah. he's just, yeah. made, he was just, uh, who he lost to, uh, Mohammed, didn't Mohammed, he? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that, that went five, right? The, the, yeah. I think yeah, that went five. Yeah, so he, I mean, it could have gone either way, and he could very easily have raised the the trophy there because he was playing. I mean, his offensive game was looking pretty good as well. His front court game, his yeah. counter drops. Yeah, he's just developing developing his game sort of week by week, isn't he? And adding adding more variation to it and quality yeah. to his uh, and severity at the at the front of the court as well. But yeah, it's yeah, really good to see him. I'd like uh, to see him start diving again, though. Rob will be telling him the opposite. Rob, will, uh, Rob, <laughs> Rob hates you know if, if you're diving, you're out of position. So uh, yeah. no, that's uh, Rob will put himself. Yeah, that, that's all down to he Rob. He's not diving actually. His shots give me a tongue Rob, lashing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. I think maybe the diving might sort of inject a little bit of that sort of. I don't know what it is, but it does something to his game that sort that and I guess maybe to the opponent that uh, you know when a guy's diving around then he gets back and gets the next ball back and it's oh, kind of unexpected certainly puts the pressure on yeah I mean that yeah. classic rally with James Walsh drop he, he uh yeah he, he thought he'd won the rally three or four times but uh you know eventually end up clipping a tin and yeah I think we can probably all, all relate to that a little bit maybe I, I haven't made too many people dive but uh yeah I've definitely felt like I've had them had them under pressure and then lost the rally <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, it was good to see the squash back on court, and uh, now, now the next event is in uh, it's in Egypt, I guess next yeah, week. Egypt, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, be, yeah. More Egyptian dominance, uh, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. certainly going to be uh, happy to play at home. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Now, uh, um. Now you've had. Well, let's talk a little bit about about your your pro career, Jamie, if you don't mind. You had a you know you've had a decent pro pro run till now. Uh, 2014, 2013, 2014. I guess they would have been your your golden years. You got up to uh, uh, 50 in the world. Uh, yeah. So, so I mean, I mean that's very good. The, the game is you know is deep, is quite deep these days. Some good results uh, back then. Uh, so. What was it, uh, if you look back, when did you, just in terms of your squash, when did you decide you, you wanted to take a shot uh, at the Pro Tour and uh, who were who you leaning on uh, back then at that time? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I've, I've considered myself a little bit, a bit of a squash geek, really. I've, uh, you know, I've played from very, since I was sort of five years old, played from a very young age and, uh, you know, played a lot of junior squash and, yeah, just always... Uh, Always, always loved the game really and um, growing up I was lucky enough to, to you know get to play with some pros when I was at 16, 17 and they, you know, there was a couple of guys there who were um, uh, quite sort of inspirational really a guy called Billy Hadrill an Australian guy who was yeah. a very talented player um, so my brother is a coach in Holland and uh, in, in a club near Amsterdam so I used to uh, I used to go over there quite a lot when I, during the school holidays and yeah managed to like see the, the likes and it was a bit of a golden era really for squash in uh, in Europe so you had like uh, mm. David Palmer was in Belgium you had uh, Joe Knight Billy Hadrill yeah. um, Jonathan Power would have been in Amsterdam yeah Jonathan Power was around yeah John White there were some you know there were all those guys were <laughs> yeah. around you know they were playing I used to play in, in Holland they had the classic like graded events you know A down to E or whatever and you know they'd, that they'd would have been, been back up. in the early like 2005 yeah probably late 90s yeah yeah, and even late okay. 90s, actually. Yeah, even a little bit before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just, that was pretty inspirational to see those guys, you know, just playing in, they'd play for a couple of hundred euros in the final of the, in the when they were a bit lower down the rankings, maybe. But even, yeah. you know, they were probably tw top 20 as well, some of, the, some of the time. So just seeing those guys, that was always pretty inspirational and, uh, you know, just made me want to, uh, you know, want to get out there and uh, and play pro squash. But, 
I mean, I was quite a good junior, but by the time I was sort of 18, I wasn't really good enough to, and it wasn't in a position to to go on tour. So I went to university and went to Birmingham University in the UK, which was, we had a really good uh, squash setup by UK standards. There mm-hmm. were, uh, that was probably my main reason for going, to be honest, uh, for choosing yeah, Birmingham. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had. What else was there when you were there? What other uh, what other players were? So the well, the best player to come out of there was uh, Steve Coppinger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, geez, you you must. Uh, okay, I know another connection. I'll, I'll go there um, because I'm I've played uh, Alex Preston a couple times. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was actually yeah, going to say. He's, yeah. in, he's in the UAE. We we played in the, the. They had a Premier League here, and we ended up. Yeah. I played in one week uh, in one of the matches, and we came became fairly. You know, fairly close while he was here. Yeah. He wasn't here for very long, maybe three, four years. But uh, yeah, in fact, the only time uh, with Steve, Steve used to come in and hit with him mm-hmm. a little bit. And uh, another guy, maybe Jonathan Kent, I, I think that yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I grew up. And then, grew up uh, that's your connection, right? The, the... Yeah. Uh, well, Jonathan Kent was from, he's from Shropshire as well, which is the county uh, that where I was from in England. So he was another one when I was growing up. L- luckily enough, uh, you know, he was a couple of years older. And, you know, Kempe was always, you know, one of the best juniors in the country. And, yeah. uh, you know, he went on to get to 20 in the world. But I was fortunate in that he lived in Shropshire and there weren't any many players around at all. So, I mean, I was nowhere near his level. But, when I was 17, 18, he, you know, he was a couple of years older and he was like top 50 by that stand, by that uh, age. And yeah, he was another one who, uh, he, yeah, he, he, I would hit with him and, uh, you know, I'd just go and like be his ball machine really, like just uh, <laughs> yeah, condition yeah. it. And yeah, it was, it was great. That gave me that sort of insight of, uh, of what, you know, what life was like on tour really. So again, that was a, that was another inspiration. But um, so yeah, all those guys, all those guys who were playing pro and, um, the Aussie guys that I mentioned, um, yeah, they were the sort of inspiration to go pro. And then, uh, so yeah, there was Steve, uh, there was Jonathan Harford, who was, a, a, yeah, very, he got to top 60 in the world. Um, was he, he got injured, unfortunately, which probably was definitely shortened his career, but he was a very, very good player. And you know, I think would have certainly gone on to get a, a high ranking. I remember Alex match. used to give, uh, give Coffinger a bit of a hard time with his, about his tongue. His tongue. Oh, he loves to put the tongue out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he used to yeah, stick it out the side of his mouth. Uh, he, when we first came, went to university, Steve's nickname was the uh, Demented Dog. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was part, partly due to the tongue, but it was also due to just his headless sort of. He just used to love running around the court like a dog, dog, dog with a bone right. or dog after a bone. Um, so yeah, Steve, yeah, Steve was a funny one really because I saw him go from. You know, being like, I actually saw him lose lose to a guy from my county, so, you know, a county standard player when he was 18. So obviously getting to, you know, top yeah. 14 in the world or whatever he got to in the end. So that was like amazing. a strong guy, wasn't he? Like just physically. Yeah, huge guy. Yeah, love, love volume, huge around the middle, you know, but he really you know, turned his game from from the demented dog to uh, very calculated and, uh, yeah, incredibly uh, tough play. canine. Yeah, the calculated canine, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Dubai, uh, the only time I went actually was I played a tournament in uh, Kish Island and uh, okay. we actually stayed with Alex. We stayed with Alex, um, myself and Chris Trustwell, who was a good uh, best friend of mine. We, who right. we lived together a lot during our career. And, uh, he Alex was and his wife, Joanne. Yeah. 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 Nice, so, uh, nice lady. Yeah, we played. I think we played at the Jumeirah Beach Club, maybe. One yeah, time. well, that, that's where I've played. Yeah, it's a, it's a lovely little setting there, isn't it? Uh, nice court, yeah. and then yeah, gorgeous. Head yeah. off to the beach. Yeah, but yeah, so we were lucky. We had the yeah Steve, Johnny, uh, Alex, Chris Trusswell, Phil mm. Nightingale. So you know, most of those guys, myself, um, Tom Powers, and most of those guys went you know, at one stage or another played on the PSA tour. Right. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really good, and we were I think we were the only university to have a full time coach, um, Keir Worth, who was yeah he was um, he was great at the time. So you know he you know structured what we were doing, and uh, yeah it was uh, we we really pushed each other on I guess at that time. And there was there was us and there was Loughborough, and they were pretty strong. Like Daryl Selby was there at one okay. stage, Chris Ryder, another top thirty player. Um, so yeah, there was there was some good competition, and Uick, the Cardiff team, they were pretty strong with um, some some good players, Peter Creed, and uh, yeah. yeah, some of those guys. So yeah, it was university squash really like helped bridge that you know junior to sort of a low level PSA standard, I guess. And I used to play you know the the league league scene in England where you know you you yeah. play uh, uh, league matches in the evenings against, and then that was where. And I started to compete against, you know, against some players that were playing full time, and maybe got like 
couple of wins over some of the lower ranked players. And well, so I guess from, you, see, there, really. you see a guy like that, you know, a guy like Steve Coppinger, for example, you mentioned earlier how he, you know, he'd lost to a, a buddy of yours in the county level and then he managed to turn his game around and just through hard work. I mean, you see something like that happen. It's got to be in the back of your mind that, you you know, you can make it happen. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we pushed each other on, I think, at that time. And, uh, and yeah, afterwards, after university, we certainly certainly took it a lot more uh, more seriously from there. And, yeah, there, there was a really close, um, it was a close-knit group uh, with, with, with those guys that, you know, we lived together for uh, for a long time, like well after university. And we, we all moved up to Leeds for uh, some of the other guys lived there for a couple of years. I lived there for just one year. Um, but yeah, all those guys were, we were based together and, uh, yeah, it was, it was great traveling and, uh, I've had a few of them on my, uh, my little podcast. Yeah. Just to, uh, tourist and friends. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> really just friends at the moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah. well, that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. Now, now your, your, uh, your pro career, you've won, I think five or six PSA titles. You've been to maybe 15 or so uh tour finals so i mean that's nothing to you know that's something to be proud of definitely uh and most recently uh bermuda open i think uh you got to the final against my good yeah. buddy uh, not i wouldn't say he's my good buddy but good friend of my podcast he's been on twice yeah big nick uh, yeah big nick and uh he's a he's a character and a, and a, and a good squash player uh so, but 2013, 2014, you got to 50 in the world. So at that point, what were you thinking to your, uh, uh, about your game and your pro career? Were you thinking, you know, this is as far as I can get, or this is, you know, this is the beginning. Let's, let's see how, um, what we can do. Cause I guess yeah. you would have been in your early thirties then. Right. So, yeah. So twilight time. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, to be honest, the, the person who, who, uh, who really like, helped me most with my with or well, my improvement most with my squash was was Rob Rob Owen certainly when we moved back to Birmingham and I I met him in about 2011 maybe um, yeah I mean we'd you know we we trained pretty hard as with in the past but there hadn't been enough structure and um, so yeah it was when we started working with Rob you know just his uh, his intensity and uh, and having that you know that guidance and that and that. Uh, you know, that bit of structure to our group um, really helped a lot. And uh, and also, yeah, having, uh, I was quite fortunate to, I had some sponsorship around that time, which really helped me, helped me play some bigger events and uh, mm. and travel more and commit. So leading up to that, from when I finished university in 2006, I think it was, to, to 2010, I was playing and, co- and coaching and playing leagues. And, you know, it's, it's pretty tough to really, you know, to, if you don't that's level to um to totally commit you know in especially in england you know you you end up probably burning the, the candle at well both at least both ends but um yeah you're <laughs> training you you i was coaching i was traveling to league so yeah, yeah that's, that's probably not the ideal if you want to get right up there you can't you know you the top guys aren't doing that you're you know doing you need that time yeah. to recover you need to be you need to be looking after you, you know you need to have that focus yeah. You still with me there? Uh, Dan. Yeah. Cutting down on the coaching as well. Yeah. So that made a big difference. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you later, but I might as well now that you you brought it up. Now, Rob Owen, a guy that you you attribute to to that period of the, your your good years there in the you know 2013 2014 we all know uh, everyone in the, the squash world who follows pro squash knows the genius of rob and you know what he's done with the the likes of joel macon paul cole sarah jane perry uh the list goes on i think he's got quite a team now and yeah. uh, you know he doesn't not actually i don't you know i think he's fairly picky in terms of who he brings in and, and things like that but with the, just talk to uh, speak to uh the you know what it is that that Rob is so good at, and and how he gets the most out of his players, and and so I know he was as a player, you know, quite prolific as being a quite a good player and a very you know strategic type player, and and he you know he knew the game inside and out. So uh, what is it about Rob in your mind that uh, that makes him such a special uh, uh, coach? He's yeah incredibly analytic. So you know he what you know his he's 
the sports trader, as he likes to call it, uh, not sports gambler, but you know he's he, he understands sport very well. Uh, obviously, he knows he knows squash. He, he grew up with Jonah Barrington, so he, you know he's learned a lot a lot from Jonah from a tactical and uh, and technical side. Um, and he's you know he's the most intense character that, that I've ever met, really. So you know, that <laughs> thing, yeah. you know, just that, that intensity that he brings and he, you know, he he looks for from his players. But it's, you know, it's also incredibly well, well thought out. Um and, you know, he likes the game to be played in, you know, in a in a in a classy way, in a, you know, in a thoughtful way. Uh, it's not, you know, it's um he's not trying to get everyone to play the same, but he understands obviously that you know people got different He's so passionate about it, isn't he? I mean Yeah, he's extremely passionate and uh so yeah, I think it's that yeah, he, we, I mean for us it was great and that it brought together, you know, it's such a great competitive environment. Um and uh and yeah, Rob just brings that intensity that you know, I guess a lot of or might in previous coaches for me that hadn't they hadn't really brought you know brought that and uh and got that out of me really so i think he, he obviously does that with other players and uh and also you know to a player say that's with it's very physical he's going to bring a slightly more uh, tactical approach and work on that improve their technique as well so mm. yeah i think that's what he's what he's done so well with uh you know with paul particularly at the moment you can see that you know he's really improving his getting his tactics right and his uh his severity and clinical mm short game Someone as well. Like so. as well. Uh, I mean, we mentioned Paul, but we should also mention uh, Nele uh, Gale. I mean, yeah. Nele is playing really good squash and, uh, you know, she was good before, but she's really upped her game quite a bit since, uh, seemingly since uh, she started working with Rob. Yeah. Again, yeah, I think, yeah, just that, that's the, you know, between the top, the top level of guys who are 10 compared to the guys at 50 is that intensity, the pace of the game and, the, and you know, the decision-making as well. That was something right now. I think Rob helped me with just, just making, getting my tactics so much better before, before that I was opening the court too much and exposing myself, exposing my, probably my like, lack of like movement quality compared to the players around me at the time. So, you know, as soon as I got, got started playing a, um, you know, a better structured game, but, you know, actually playing to my strengths rather than, you know, opening open my weaknesses to my opponents. So I think that's, that's obviously huge. If you can, well, it, first, firstly, uh, acknowledge it, but then, you know, put it into practice and, uh, and get that game plan right. So, you know, you're playing to your strengths and, uh, and also, you know, working on your strengths, make, you know, certainly start cut, slicing the ball, cutting the ball, becoming more, more, uh, yeah, more clinical when I go short rather than, you know, about work, you know, realizing how important like the quality of like straight drop and straight volley drop is. And if, those shots are, uh, you know, rather than open the court at risk with cross court nicks and stuff like that, you know, you you need to get the, uh, you know, that, I watched that uh, I watched your match, uh, the, the Bermuda, I think it was the Bermuda Open final with uh, against uh, against Nick, and right. uh, I mean, you were you were playing well. I thought it, it just you kind of got a bit unlucky there uh, against. I mean, Nick yeah, was playing was... well. Nick, I think, was playing his playing some of his best squash at that time. Uh, he was playing yeah. really well. Um, but, uh, that was, yeah, that was a tough one. I, I think I played the week before and I'd, I hit in Toronto, actually, and um, I'd, hurt, I'd hurt my ankle in the semi-final, so I hadn't been able to play too much and I actually had a really tough match with Chris Binney in the Bermuda semi-final yeah. the night before. So, yeah. and, uh, annoyingly for me, I, uh, I'd, I'd beaten Nick in the, in the quarterfinals, I think it was, in Toronto. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like I beat him in the wrong event. I beat him in the course of the event, the event the week before, and then lost yeah. the big one in the uh, in the final of Bermuda. But uh, yeah, I think I, was, I felt a little bit short physically by that stage. Um, in yeah, in Bermuda, but yeah, I mean, it, was, it beating, was a nice. Uh, uh, I mean, beating um, uh, Benny there in the semi. I mean, that's a that's a good win. I mean, it was yeah, it was a well. Yeah, it was a hard match, and uh, you know we've had a few few tough ones, and we actually train together a little bit now. He lives in in Greenwich as well, so Rory yeah, Rory's uh, Rory McElroy doppelganger. <laughs> a bit bigger, but yeah. yeah, yeah, a bit bigger. though. yeah, he's probably twice the size of him. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that was no, it was nice to last season. Yeah, I, when I came over to the states initially, I uh, I basically just entered a lot of tournaments in in uh, in North all the tournaments in North America really. Mm. And came over and and played played quite a few in Canada and the US. And at that time, I was sort of looking yeah looking to move out here permanently. So that was the reason that I, I had that 
slight sort of resurgence and played suddenly played like yeah. eight events. Well, you and, played a lot of uh, a lot of the five or, or the ten k yeah. events, and you did. I was well looking there, I think, at that stage. <laughs> did you play Bankers Hall? Did you play in Calgary? Uh, I have. I played a lot in Canada over the years, but I, I didn't play that last year. But I have played there. Yeah, I've played in Vancouver, um, Calgary, Winnipeg several times. Um, the, cold, the cold, the cold parts of Canada. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> PEI actually I was there last year. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, J- JP's uh, dad's event. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, it was nice, nice to meet him. Yeah, it was a really uh, nice, yeah, nice place. Nice. That's where JP yeah. got his start, mate. That's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nice. King, Prince Edward Island. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, Did that's certainly the, uh, the Blue Nose Classic. Over- uh, no, I never played that one actually. No. No. Yeah, Gawai's uh, really got a soft spot for Canada. Yeah, and uh, yeah. currently, yeah, with uh, not that far away, in Canada. So. so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, last uh, tw- I guess it would have been 2018, 2019. You had some decent uh, results. You had some some wins, like we said, uh, Chris Benny, Shaja, young guys like Khan, Shahjahan Khan, Peter Rooney, Nick Wall. Uh, you lost to, to some to some good players, but do, do you see? Uh, does this give you any uh, sort of motivation to play into your late 30s <laughs> um I, I mean I, I still i really enjoy playing and yeah. most of those i'd say most of those uh tournaments i was over here looking to to move over you know and uh to coach to, to move over full time so um yeah it was, it was just a, a, a nice way to to um to get around the, U, the u.s and canada and um I, yeah, it was it was nice to play, but uh, I was certainly looking to. I, and I've been coaching before that for for two, a couple of years in London, so I wasn't I was certainly wasn't training at the same intensity or you know, amount that uh, that I was in like say 2012, 2013 right. uh, when I was with Rob. So yeah, it was it was just playing for for the to enjoy, for the enjoyment really, and to you know keep. I always enjoyed traveling part of the the yeah the squash tourism side of it so um yeah, yeah it's it's a nice way to you know keep fit as well it's like, yeah I, just, I enjoy competing i enjoy you know i've just played this morning and it's i certainly push myself harder on uh playing a squash match than i would if i was in the gym somewhere so you know, oh, so it's sure. great to keep fit and yeah i think why why not you know why not keep if you, you know keep keep your level while you can and while the body's you can you play, know, you can play. i know you've made a little bit of a foray into hardball doubles as well yeah yeah, that's been great, actually. I've uh, yeah, I'll try and uh, I'll definitely. It's a think, different game, the, that's for sure. Right? Stick to the SDA from from now on, but um, no, that's been great. Actually, it's been good fun. I uh, enjoyed playing some uh, tournaments last season and getting into it. But it's, it's who's your really partner? Or double, have you had a like a one guy, or you? Been, I haven't yeah, had a set good. partner. I've been very lucky, actually. I played with uh, my first tournament. I played with Ryan Caskelly. Okay, so, uh, that was great. He, doubles yeah, champion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, it was. <laughs> That was uh that was great for for yeah for me um, to get to play with him. He he was just starting out as well. He's he's taken to it very well. He's uh he's very good on that left wall. Most um, of the Aussie, yeah. Aussie guys they've, they yeah they take, I mean Dan, obviously Damian Mudge the uh, yeah the doubles, doubles uh, legend, yeah. the king uh, yeah. and Gary Wake but uh, yeah and then Cascali and uh, I, think I played with Cascali as well. That was that was good. Yeah, he yeah. we played together. Um, so yeah, we're very much. He wants to hit the ball through the wall. That guy. He, he does. Yeah, he's got a <laughs> hell of a serve on him as well. Yeah. Is he? Okay. <laughs> Certainly picked, picked up a few points just off the serve. Just it rebounds pretty much back to the front wall. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's okay. yeah, it's great fun. And we're all yeah, we're all sort of learning the game really. And uh, yeah. it's uh, it's been it's been good. Play, uh, play with Clive Leach actually in one tournament. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, he's a yeah legend on the doubles tour and and the singles form. Yeah, you got to get uh, you got to pair up with uh, Victor Berg. I've heard a lot of stories about Victor. I've never met him, but oh yeah, really? I've heard, okay, I've heard a lot of stories from a lot of different people. Yeah, so so I think it'd be, it'd be good to get on the podcast maybe one day. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm going to try uh, to get him on, but you should get him on. Uh, yeah, um, well, uh, I mean, he's, he's, no, no, he's a bit, little bit like Rob Owen in in the in the sense that he, he likes to gamble. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard he, that. Yeah, he's big, and uh, I can remember uh, we played a couple tournaments there in Vancouver, and we took a ferry over to Victoria and stuff. And all we were doing was playing crib and backgammon the whole time for money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've yeah. heard heard some great stories about Rob guys Owen 
Rob Owen a bit of money on backgammon and uh, betting. Oh yeah, yeah, there's a few classics of. Uh, I think Jim he, Getty's uh, a good friend of mine. I think he stole. He took Rob took his car or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I've heard that before. Yeah, he's definitely taken a car. There was he played a he played a, a, a well known guy. Uh, well, I probably shouldn't say his name, but he. Uh, they played for um, his pride and joy, which was his uh, his leather jacket at the time. So I think Rob was a couple of years older than this guy, but this guy was quite stylish and he prided himself on this black leather jacket. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, he put his he put his leather jacket down at the uh, at the front of the court. So the leather jacket was down at the tin, and they played off, played them played a squash match for it. And Rob took absolute pride in he he beat he won in five, I think, and went straight to the front of the court, dripping in sweat, put this guy's leather jacket on. Oh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> parading around the clubs like drenched in this guy's leather jacket so yeah yeah rob uh, certainly like any chance to to rub it in okay uh, yeah. <laughs> well I, I did challenge him to the game take... of backgammon if i'm ever over uh his way uh you know we we did lay down the gauntlet there but uh you know, i'm not sure if i uh if it's advisable or not no i would not i wouldn't advise anyone to take any bet against rob I think he happens to be, happens to be once, and he he, he uh, was myself and a guy called Joel Hines, and and there was it was a tennis match. I think it was it was uh, it was it was Federer against someone, and uh, it was with Australian Open. And basically, we what we hadn't realised is due to the time zones, the match had already been played, and it turns out Federer had lost. So we okay. <laughs> Rob knew this and gave us some fantastic odds, and obviously we took the bet. And uh, yeah, next day we turned up, we realised our, our error. And uh, had oh, to pay man. up, so yeah. No, Rob's Rob's not. He he doesn't doesn't make bets unless he's going to win, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right on. Well, he'll, he'll yeah yeah we'll we'll have to bear that in mind uh, the next time I, I consider a bet from <laughs> him. But uh, let's talk a bit about the uh, the, the podcast, mate. Uh, yeah. Squash tourist and friends. Uh, now, um, what was the genesis of it? Uh, uh, it was very much a lockdown thing, really. Um, yeah. you know, obviously, being over over here in in the states um, and not having not been back to England for a year now, um, you know, it's a good way to to catch up, um, catch mm. up with friends, really. Um, so, and I feel, you know, there's obviously a lot of podcasts, a lot of great squash podcasts out there. Um, but I've always quite enjoyed, or personally, I quite enjoy. Um, you know, the sort of uh, the podcast I listen to is, is one about '90s football. Uh, there's another one about lockdown parenting and there's a bit oh, yeah. of a shambolic sort of side to it. Um, yeah. I think, I don't know, I just thought, you know, write about what you know or, you know, podcast about what you know, which is, you know, the I got to number 50 is exactly between, you know, one and a hundred. So it's, I thought it'd be quite in, interesting to, you know, just to hear some of, there's a lot of great characters out there that, and yeah. funny stories and situations that that, sort of, that happen and something we can't tell unfortunately but um, yeah I thought, just thought it was a good way to you know to just to go back and reminisce over some of those uh, some of those times with with different people um, so yeah it was very much I mean the first one I did was with uh, my best mate Chris Trustwell who played on tour for for uh, a few years and uh, you know he's a very funny character and he yeah, yeah there was always a an unfortunate situation that would that would happen arise at tournaments or whatever and he's he just you know he's a very funny guy so just uh just getting him out there and uh probing him a little bit and you yeah. just know that he's gonna he's gonna come back with uh <laughs> some, some funny stuff and some funny tales so it was that was it really yeah definitely yeah, so, i uh i mean my i've had a few you know you probably seen a few of the names on my podcast some of the you know good players, good coaches and stuff like that. But I've also, I also take pride in uh, having some of my squash past, some of my friends on. I've had uh, a few guys like uh, uh, you might know Matt Easingwood. He's the pro at uh, White Oaks there in Niagara right. on the lake. Okay, yeah. yeah so I grew up playing against him and we, we had uh, a really good, good pod and uh, Matt Bishop. I don't know if you know yeah. him from Halifax. Yeah, know the name, yeah. But yeah. Not, and yeah. Um, uh, but two guys that I, you know, I mean, these were my favorite uh, amongst all the podcasts that I've had. Just to to get on yeah. there, have a good laugh, re- relive the, uh, you know, the the old days. And uh, I mean, obviously, you've done that. Uh, that that's sort of the nature uh, of your your podcast, isn't it? Yeah, and I just think it's it's quite interesting for you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys who've been eighty in the world or six, you know, sixty mm. to 
120 in the world where you know, there's not many people have been number one so it's you know it's obviously great to hear from the top guys and yeah. you know see a day in the life or you know to hear their experiences but I think it's it's uh, it's pretty entertaining to hear you know what goes on down you know the the lower echelons of the tour really and yeah. 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 when I was when I was in PI actually last year uh, billet we stayed with he you know you know I've stayed with hundreds of billets over the last 15 years and uh, straight away he picked me up and he said he, we got, got in the car from the airport and he was like so you're 36 what's your, you know what's your story everyone's got a story what's your story and I, that, that was that was actually a bit of a you know that I thought back about that in in lockdown and uh, I just thought yeah like, you know everyone has got a story and it's, it's quite interesting and quite quite entertaining to to hear some of those, yeah, those uh, tales from guys down down the uh, down the rankings, really, and you know, hear what it's yeah. like when you you know we've all, we've been there where you know you, you're playing a battling out for last round qualifying, and you know you're not sure you know, if you win, you get into the tournament hotel. So you know you see guys and you know their squash bags, they packed up their their, uh, <laughs> their <laughs> belongings, <laughs> literally their belongings uh, behind the squash court, and you know if they win, then they go they recheck into the hotel for free, and if they lose, they go to the airport, and you know stuff like that just. I thought it's, it's quite quite funny, really, quite entertaining, and uh, people. Some people might want to hear it, and yeah, people don't. I, I think a lot of the you know the squash community, uh, you know, those of us who follow the game, follow the pro game, don't know that that you know what happens in that. that and, yeah, and, and that's, there's some very it's good. There's there's some very good players who've been in that situation as well. You know, it's not just yeah. it's not just guys who haven't you know haven't got to the top. You know, all that's. You know, obviously the nature of it. Everyone's got to go through that period. You know, whatever, whoever you are, Ali Farag, Shivagi. They, oh, you know, I, they, I they remember I uh, had John White on, and he was talking about how uh, you know he was going through that same situation. It, this was before he hit it yep. big, and it was I forget where he was, somewhere in South America or something. And uh, you know, he had you know was struggling. I think he said he quit. He he stopped playing for like a year. Really, and then he yeah. went to. South America to try to start it up again, and he had one big win, and then after that, it just everything changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I can well relate to it in a, in a way. Obviously, John got to world number one. And I, got, I didn't. <laughs> I got to get anywhere near that. Yeah. But um, that was probably part of the reason why I I kept playing. Really, was that there was always that that hope. You know, whether it was a, I, I seem to have, I'd have like one or two results um, mm. per season. Probably, if I look back over the last seven or eight years where um, in more often, unfortunately it was in leagues or in non PSA events, but you know, where I'd compete and, you know, sometimes beat some guys who are you know up to sort of 20 and higher in the world. So that was, uh, that was probably a reason why I kept, well, I'm still playing now really is that, that I've, you know, I felt there was, yeah. there was still, still some improvement there or, you know, I mean, you're beating was, guys like, uh, you know, you've beaten Chris Benny, you've beaten some of these guys you are getting to finals of the, you know, the five and 10 K Events there's yeah. still some good squash uh, and there, and you've got Gaultier and some of the older, you know, some some guys your age still playing at a very very uh, good level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was lucky enough to to meet uh, Jonah Barrington uh, through through Rob actually. Went down myself and uh, Joel Makin went down and and uh, trained, and Jonah was there. And you know, he was at the time I think I was probably about. 32 or three and you know you get to that that age and you start you know everyone else well, a lot of other players my like original group of the university guys i mentioned you know had all retired for either injury or they had you know they had enough type thing but you know talking to to jonah was you know very inspirational oh, and he was like you know keep keep going yeah you can play you know you can still play some of your best squash in in your 30s and uh mm. Yeah, I would always advise that. You know, I'm not saying keep necessarily, you know, keep playing on tour, but you know, if you can, if you can keep fit, and that's why I'm still still enjoy training and playing now. Really, that if yeah, if you can keep improving, then not then why sure. not? Yeah, if your body's yeah, good. That's how I mean. I I played uh, yesterday, and I felt you know I felt really good. I, I'm trying to stay fit for my age, but moving around well. It's just here. Uh, every match I have, there's always something. Oh, it's like a adductor or a hip or the ankle ankle was yesterday so i just went outside the court and i think i had my shoes on too tight and so i, yeah. I retied my shoe and everything seemed to be okay but we have one podcast uh, uh we share one guest uh a similar guest uh, mike McHugh. michael McHugh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, firstly i want to say thanks for the shout out 
You gave me a little yeah. shout out on that one. Right. Yeah. 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 How, like how's seven. your tech game? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a little story here. My first four podcasts were um, without this microphone, uh, okay. the Blue yeah. Yeti microphone, so, which yeah. is not that. That's a nice one. Uh, but that, that that's the extent of the, the tech involved. But it really did change. It really made a big difference. Um, yeah. My first podcast was with uh, Neil Harvey. Now, uh, Neil, I mean, I, I was jumping in deep, like right from the beginning, right? So I was like, oh, I just have a connection to to Neil. I kind of spoke with him a little bit before I started the podcast. So I knew him a little bit. But, uh, you know, the, to go from... Uh, you know, not having a squash podcast to, you know, your first yeah. guest is Neil Harvey. It's, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, yeah. And he's kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's intimidating, but he, you know, he can't, uh, I think a, a little bit, he comes off, uh, came off a little bit that way, but he, he couldn't have been any nicer and any more gracious and stuff. But uh, I went without the, uh, the microphone for the first four uh, podcasts. Yeah. The last one I didn't have one for was Mike Way. So I I, <laughs> I I I probably would have been you know it would have been nice if I'd had the the mic for those ones, but right. uh, yeah I think it was uh, in terms of tech uh, improvement for my own podcast it was a game changer uh, I would yeah. say yeah yeah I, I should uh, I should maybe look into that uh, mine's a pretty basic setup so I'm just doing this on uh, I'm actually using my uh, my girlfriend's. Uh, macbook cool. so yeah nicole's MacBook. Oh, yeah. yeah i've got my uh, she's still got, interested my in doing my podcast is she, yeah yeah she is yeah okay yeah. good good tell her i said hi and i'll be in touch yeah yeah um but no yeah so mine's i haven't got the uh the professional uh mic set up the, the first one i actually did with well the first two or three including mics i think um i just did on the uh anchor app and it's okay. it was pretty efficient you know but you send a link through to uh yeah, to whoever you're on with, and uh, and I think Mike just did it. In fact, it's quite funny. Funnily, Mike, uh, I think Mike did it. He did it on his phone, but to get to get some peace and quiet, he was actually sat in his car. So uh, <laughs> yeah, he sounded a bit relaxed there. The, you had two takes, right? The, the first one, the second one. Yeah, yeah. And there was a few. More. There were a few issues. I found yeah. a few issues with the anchor app. So so since then, I, I started doing it. Yeah, like like we are now through through Zoom and, and recording yeah. it. And the sound quality is a lot better there because I found that there were um, there were some overlaps that that came through on the anchor app, which didn't you know when we were okay. in conversation, we didn't. So I didn't do think you use was, uh, Audacity to do your editing and? Uh, no, I didn't do any. I just put it straight straight on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. I think it's free. So if you, uh, I don't know if right. you have any time on your hands, you know, at okay, some yeah, point, Audacity is quite, it's very user friendly. Like uh, yeah. in terms, you know, you can, but you, yeah, I mean, you seem to know, you got the little music bed there. Yeah, did, all that's for Anchor actually. So oh, Anchor, it? Okay. Anchor was, oh. it was, uh, it was very, yeah, it was very useful. For, and I did very, have one at the beginning, but I couldn't find the right, I didn't find the can't find the right music to fit. Right. Who I, was, am. Uh, I want to make sure it's not contrived. What was your uh, inspiration for for starting the podcast? The, the po yeah. Uh, well, uh, I did have an idea for a podcast. Like I'm a I teach at a university here. I'm in the yeah. sort of field of education, and uh, a friend of mine and I we'd just written a, a small book and we were going to follow that book up with a, with a podcast connected to you know talking to other teachers in the in the profession and getting their experiences and stuff but yeah. then didn't happen and uh, so I just thought you know I, I can never find a squash podcast I, I listened to podcasts forever yeah. there were uh, a couple like squash radio uh, you know they had one but the you know, they never put out any new material. James Zug, whenever he puts out something, it's always really, really good, but it's yeah. never regular. You know, I, I like, you know, once a week. That, that yeah, yours is. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I've done 10. Is this 165, is it? Or four, you, like you'd that? be 165, mate. Yeah, yeah that's, you're gonna yeah, be that's incredible. So incredible. That, that was kind of my goal, uh, to try to, you know, put squash content out there once a week. And, uh, yeah, and that's so amazing, that's, yeah. Uh, Especially yeah. being on different time zone, you know, well ahead of uh, the US. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's been real. I mean, you know, I've had, I just shoot out emails. Now that I've got a little bit of a following, it's a little bit easier to get people to come on. But in the beginning, it was kind of tricky. So I had to use my limited uh, contacts out there and uh, it kind of worked. You know, Neil Harvey's a good first, uh, yeah. first guest to sort of 
give me some un, uh, you know, maybe, you know, the, the credibility, credibility that I yeah. don't deserve, but, uh, <laughs> no, it's been, it's been great. I've enjoyed, uh, I've been really enjoyed listening to yeah, the, the ones that I haven't listened to all one, six, one, six, four, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been Yeah. Great to get such a range of, uh, of, of guests on and yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed Arthur Gaskins. He was, you know, oh, yeah, again, he was great. talking yeah. about some of the similar and he's obviously started his own now, which is, is great. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's really getting the uh, numbers up as well. Yeah, he's uh, so well. yeah, Good to, uh, yeah, just good to see a wide range of. Well, I've had my, I mean, it's stuff. almost like a kid in the candy store. I mean, you're you're take you're from the side from your your perspective. You're a pro. You're you know you've got your friends. You can talk. You can everyone. You bring the guys on. They can relate to uh, who you are and what you do. But for me, it's more like uh, I mean, I'm a player. I've re- reached a decent level. Uh, I guess you would call a county or whatever provincial yeah. in, in Canada. But uh, you know, I'm more of a I guess squash geek uh enthusiast who loves to watch the game play the game uh talk yeah. squash uh, i know a little bit about it so i can sort of hang in there with with uh, with people in terms of conversing but it's more you know it's, it's a passion for for the game i guess it's like you but from uh from a, a spectator's perspective maybe uh and a player yeah. but uh yeah so I, I what I bring, I think, is something maybe a little bit different from what a player might bring. So I, I think what we have out there right now is quite unique, which we didn't have before. Is uh, you know, We've got guys like you and Arthur. Um, I think even um, Saurav might even have a podcast. I saw something out there. He's got something out there now. So we got players. We've got sort of people like me. And, and uh, it's nice to have that a bit broader yeah, exactly. Yeah, more, more yeah. Marriott. Yeah, to- yeah, totally. Yeah, covering different different topics and coming at it from different angles. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's great. They're all great. Yeah, the one everything I've listened to. It's uh, I think it just you know sums up the squash community as well. That you know you can get it's you know pretty easy to to get in touch with, and people are pretty willing to come on and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. Managed to get some. You know, absolutely. I've had, I've had my dog. squash hero on. I had JP on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I played him as a junior, right? But I mean, he was much younger than me. But we we played in the uh, Toronto Open Junior Final. Well, wow. I yeah. played him in the final. I lost three two. I really he was like six years younger than me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but he was still uh, uh, amazing. I'll, I'll never forget. It was between games, and his dad was there. It was um, at Saber, but you know Saber. Yeah, Saber, I know. Yeah, at, at his father's club, and uh, in between games. I didn't see it, but he put it. We had to wear eye guards, obviously. He put his eye guards just right in front of the door as you walk out. Yeah. And I stepped on them and broke them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I remember most about that match. I also remember I didn't want to run into him and, you know, knock Injured. him over, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he did yeah. end up beating me. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. he's great. Great to have him on. And because, uh, you know, just following him from when he won the the ninety uh, six the uh, the tournament the champions uh, yeah and that that was really when he when his game took off and uh, you know just followed that whole thing from then until when he retired but uh, yeah he was episode one hundred so when you get to one hundred uh, Jamie who are you going to invite on one hundred wow I certainly haven't got one hundred friends gonna, but, uh, I was trying to get Rob Owen to come on and he said he's got to do your podcast I I, I recommend yeah. waiting until episode one hundred <laughs> <laughs> and then, then then invite him on because he's he's had Rob, a great Rob won't great... mind Rob won't mind me saying but he won't be alive ah there <laughs> good yeah he won't mind me saying that either no you won't. The, the odds are certainly against it. Um, no, yeah, I, Rob, Rob's definitely, um, yeah, I want to get him on for sure because he, uh, he's, yeah, he'll be entertaining. And I, I know there's a lot of, I mean, well, I say a lot. I know there's a lot of my friends, doesn't mean there's a lot of people, but there's a lot, of, yeah, a lot of those guys would love to hear Rob, uh, yeah, with. Uh, well, I mean, I, I just spoke to him really briefly the other day, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but we were just talking a little bit about the Manchester and, you know, how, you know, some guys, you know, he was really proud of the way his, few of his players played and he also said i won't mention any names but so-and-so was just shit oh yeah he'll yeah (laughs) didn't train at all looked incredibly unfit yeah no you'll you'll get the uh you'll get his honest opinion yeah for sure which is which is refreshing because i've spoken about this a couple of times on on the podcast it's like 
in squash squash media there isn't it's only our i mean i don't even i'm not media but uh, i mean the squash media is squash it's not outside of squash so i I think we sort of walking on eggshells a lot of the time i mean you turn on I, i was just watching while i was sort of waiting for our for this i was watching um espn um stephen a smith i don't know if you know him the African American uh, sports commentator from ESPN. He's quite entertaining, but he was just taking the piss out of somebody. Like, yeah, just go. You, he can't play. He's blah blah blah. You never hear that in 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 squash. No, no, you don't hear no, anything. No, like, no, I mean, a little bit of maybe bit Joey and uh, uh, you know they get a little bit like that sometimes, but more out of fun, I think. Uh, but like squash, we, we don't get that type of uh, sort of uh, critiquing of the game. Yeah. Where, you know, maybe justified sometimes. Yeah. And I think and there's, there'll be certainly, certainly people out there within the squash world who've, you know, who, who will be doing that privately. Um, but well, Rob, I mean, Rob's one of those guys who, you know, if he had a microphone in front of him and the platform, he'd be yeah. perfect, wouldn't he? Yeah, exactly. I think that's why, you know, it's so good that, you know, the the podcasts are out there. Um, but, you know, look at just looking back at, as I said, I've definitely considered myself a squash geek, but, you know, the report, many of some of the old squash books, you, you know, you see the reports from the, the Daily Times of, you know, Jonah's matches and they're, they're so well written by the journalists, you know, people like yeah. <laughs> Rex Bellamy and some of these names that, that spring to mind, but, you know, they're, yeah. they're so articulate and the, the, the level of detail, you know, it's like the, it's like the same reporting that you get now on, on football yeah. soccer matches in, in the UK, but yeah, it's, it was, it's amazing to One read. Guy, uh, who's really good. Uh, I've had on my podcast, but, uh, um, and he, he writes for the, the pro doubles tour and, and I, I used to read all his stuff like way back, but it's just his writing is unlike anyone else. Uh, Rob Dinnerman. Rob Dinnerman, yeah, yeah. He's, oh my yeah, God. I met Have him you read his through. stuff? Uh, yeah, and I, I met him uh, back in. He actually commentated on one of my uh, SDA okay. matches uh, last season. So uh, yeah, it was quite funny. I listened to it back, and he, uh, yeah, he had. It was quite interesting to hear him hear him talk about the well the game and uh what how we were doing so yeah he's he's incredibly uh knowledgeable and articulate yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's, he's great yeah we need more yeah more, more of those people you know to... all right well i look forward to uh, to rob coming on uh, uh yeah he'll be no he'll be well, to well, get him. Well, i didn't realize that you were uh, you had had something lined up yeah he'll be uh, hopefully in the next yeah the next two or three I, I would like to think we just need to get the get the time to uh, together to um yeah to get him on all right well uh well jamie you've been great with your time um uh what's up what's uh what's uh, the next who's your next uh, guest on the podcast um so <clears throat> i had uh so i had short sean larue was the most most uh most recent, the recent one yeah yeah um so yeah, going going forward, actually, I might. I think Steve uh, Steve Coppinger, I might get in touch with Steve. Um, so it'd either be Steve or Rob, I think. They're, yeah, they're two that I had pen, had penciled in because I think yeah, they're as I say good friends of mine. But and I've not yeah, I certainly haven't spoken to Steve for for a little while. So it'd be nice to uh, to catch up with him. And uh, yeah, he's been on mine. Uh, uh, I used my my contact with with Alex there to set that up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and he was yeah, ta- so, yeah, talking yeah. about. Uh, uh, the one anecdote that Alex mentioned that I had to ask him about was walking around the streets with no shoes on, uh, some, something in a bar going in. I, after, uh, I might have been there for that one. I mean, it doesn't narrow it down with Steve because he, he regularly would, you know, he had he had good good old uh, South African feet or Kenyan feet. They were, uh, he, he, he wouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't wear much more than flip-flops at any, any time of the year. But, uh, yeah. yeah, there was... Uh, I remember one with Steve we were in Poland in I think 2008, and uh, he his career he stopped he's retired now so he won't mind too much. But we'd uh, we'd had um, the tournament function was on the Saturday night, uh, and and the final was on the Sunday. And I think Steve was playing it. It was one of the first finals he got he got to, and he went out. So the finalists came out obviously with the, the rest of the um, rest of the guys from the tournament and the organisers. And I think Steve got a little bit stitched up in that his his opponent. Uh, I think he was he was shooting water rather than vodka, 
and Steve was getting the vodka. So anyway, Steve had, <laughs> probably had a, a few too many drinks, a few more than he would have liked to the night before the final. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he got out and Steve's a pretty tough, tough character. So he uh, that wouldn't well, have been too much. African guys are tough as nails. Yeah, so I mean, it wasn't oh. a big deal for him at the time, but it, it many he had a bit of a late one, so he was he was up a bit late anyway. So next morning he had a sweat, did his did his uh, pre-final sort of routine in the morning, and then uh, went back for a nap. And unfortunately for Steve, he like you know, I say missed that missed that night's sleep or missed a few hours there. So he, he drifted off and got got into a little bit of a deep one, and next thing he knew. He missed his alarm and the phone in his uh, in his hotel room was going off and it was the organisers basically saying, "Steve, well, like, you're, you're ten minutes late. Like, where, where are you?" Oh. And he was obviously in absolute panic. This is in Krakow, Krakow in Poland yeah, in yeah. November. In in the it must have been minus ten snowing. So he literally put on his put on his squash gear in his room and ran down ran sort of a kilometre down the road in the snow in his squash shoes with his racket and obviously <laughs> turned up. <laughs> turned up and you know everyone was there for the the marquee event the the, the final and he, he just he wasn't unfortunately it's not a happy ending it's it's not one of those where he, he went on and uh <laughs> and, and started blossoming everything he said he was seeing about five balls and his, his tactic was just to aim for the service line and uh, unfortunately he went down in three but yeah that was uh, another example of steve just running barefoot through. <laughs> that's awesome well if that's any indication then uh, that episode's going to be uh be epic because um, yeah, we'll hear it from so, this there'll be plenty of those yeah. stories, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank all you right. so much, buddy. I uh, really appreciate your time today and uh, all the best uh, going yeah, forward. Absolute pleasure. And uh, please uh, tell yeah. Nicole I'll be in touch. Will do. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Thanks a lot to Jamie for that. And also, everybody, please uh, take a listen to his podcast. He's got uh, six or seven up there already, and I believe uh, one is in the works right now. It's, uh, I think he hopefully he's going to have uh, Rob Owen on, which will be an amazing uh, episode, I'm sure, because uh, Jamie has worked with Rob for, for a number of years, and uh, I'm sure the two of those guys will be chopping it up, and it'll be just a fantastic episode. So Squash Tourist and Friends, Jamie Haycox, Thanks so much for doing it. So this is episode uh, one of our two episodes for World Squash Day. Thanks to Jamie. Thanks to you for listening. Take care and uh, stay tuned for our next episode uh, today. Goodbye now.